All right, so let's get started. Uh, everybody should have an outline. It's a one-page outline in their bulletins. If you don't have a bulletin, maybe because you came from the side door, you can head out there real quick and get that. Um, so real quick before we pray, I'll just say, pray and get started. Uh, this is your foundation articles master list. We're just going to do a lot of practical stuff today. Um, when I talked a few weeks ago, I don't know, it was like two or three weeks ago, um, we had talked about the need to be able to just supplying you with the resources that are available at everyone's disposal to help them grow. And so um, I made the comment that just like a sword, the, in Ephesians 6, you know, we got the uh, armor of God and we got like the helmet of salvation, got the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Uh, we got the, uh, the shoes, the gospel of peace. Make sure you're ready. Am I missing one? Am I missing one? The, oh yeah, the shield of faith and am I missing one more? We did that one. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so uh, I don't think it takes a lot of training to wear a breastplate or to use it. I don't know because I've never fought in a, in a war uh, where you needed. I do have body armor. I've worn that uh, just for fun. <laughs> never needed it, thankfully. Um, but as far as I know, uh, when you put a breastplate on, that's kind of it. You just put it on. It's just there, right? You don't have to like, well, you might have to strap it and make it sure it's tied. And you're like, you might have, I'm guessing this happened in the Israelites quite a bit. There was always that like the joker that was like, well, I'm going to wear it down here or put it on backwards to be funny. Uh, but it really doesn't take a lot of effort or training to put on a helmet or a breastplate or shoes. Um, you just put them on. But a sword does take training. And so with the resources to help us grow, what I made the point of a few weeks ago is they're all based on the word. These are all Bible studies or outlines or podcasts or Bible sheets or books or articles. Do I need to move it closer or can I, do I need to adjust it all? Okay. And so all these things bring us back to the word and the word is like a sword and a sword requires training. And so that's all we talked about a couple weeks ago is here's some resources and then you're like, okay. And then everybody went home and read all the foundational books and read all the articles and memorized all the scripture sheets and uh, listened to all the podcasts, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Then, well, it's time for coffee. Have a good hour. I'll see you. I'll see you in a few weeks. Um, I'm going to guess everyone's being facetious and maybe made an attempt forward, but these things are tools. A tool requires uh, instruction. A tool requires training. And so that's what we're doing um, this morning. So before we get too far, let me pray, and then we'll really get started. Uh, Father, we just come here to receive your grace. We receive your grace in your word through your gospel. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Calls our hearts to align with you through the Holy Spirit, uh, and by your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, um, just like any good tool, uh, when you get taught something, you don't normally get handed a wrench and be like, here's how you use it. And then you're, um, 
quick side story. I usually like to step to the side. Quick side story. And so uh, I know somebody who is probably in their mid-30s, doesn't go to this church, so don't think I'm calling you out. This could apply to you. Um, just a friend of mine who was helping me with a project like a year or two ago, and I asked him to hand me a Phillips head screwdriver, right? Because everybody thinking in their head what a Phillips head screwdriver is, okay? Uh, this gentleman, I felt was a, a spit, you know, particularly disadvantaged for some reason because he's like, I always forget which one that is. Is that like the, which one is that? And I'm like, I was like, it's a screwdriver, man. Uh, right, like, so some people, you, when you get handed a tool, you have to be trained. And this particular individual just was never trained for whatever reason on the difference between a flathead and a Phillips head screwdriver. And I was, at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Uh, you're in your 30s. Uh, and so he learned what a Phillips head screwdriver was. So the same thing goes when you get handed a tool, you don't just get handed a tool and you say, this is, this is a wrench. Uh, and you normally, if you have a good dad or an instructor, they'll say, this is what we use a wrench for. There are wrench-like things like pliers. There's a crescent wrench. Uh, there's different types of wrenches, and we use those for different things, right? And so the same thing goes with the resources that we have available to help you grow, right? And so uh, we're not going to get right into the nuts and bolts. That's... Uh, my wife encouraged me that, to print this out and give it to you guys, but uh, I didn't take her advice, but it would be really helpful just due to lack of time. We're just going to go over some Bible verses of why we need instruction and how do we receive instruction on um, the tools that are going to help us grow, okay? And you might think, oh man, this is super basic. Why do I need instruction on instruction as well? Uh, if you looked at the resources list last week, and then utilize them to help you have a better biblical foundation of the gospel, how to read the Bible, um, of, and, and of key issues, then that's why. That's just simply why. Uh, and we're here to help you grow. That is our main, our main um, point as a leadership team, as people who get up here and speak on the 9.30 and 10.30. And another like real, real quick sidebar. I love sidebars. Uh, I take the 9.30 to be, this isn't like, I don't think 9.30 is sermon time. That's just my opinion. And so I don't take these like sermons. And so it uh, depends on what you think a sermon is. Um, and so this is a call and response. You can answer the questions I ask. You can ask questions where you can talk to each other. I can hear you from up here. I'm not so far up that I can't hear, hear you guys. Um, so... This is much more an, an instruction to help us grow, to utilize these things, and how we should go forward. So Colossians 1, 28 and 29, um, feel free to write. If you want, um, I just printed out some Bible verses with some notes for myself to keep this organized. If you would like these scripture verses, please see me, and I will print them off for you, or you can write them down. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, we read this one the, a couple weeks ago. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So this is our goal. Uh, I believe that everybody has an equal opportunity to be mature, 
right? Doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're black, white, Indian, uh, it doesn't matter. Everyone has the same opportunity to be mature in Christ. I believe that's true for people who grew up in Christian homes or grew up in humanistic homes. I believe that everybody has an equal opportunity. Uh, simultaneously, I believe that um, Romans 11, 30, it's either 32 or 36, says that the, gift is, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. But it doesn't say that gifts and calling are, are God are so predestined that you're going to do them no matter what, whether you try or not. They're just irrevocable. You have a gift, and it's been given to you, whether you utilize it or not. Does that make sense? Does everybody get that? Uh, we often use analogies like the grace of God is like uh, giving you a present, right? You didn't do anything to get a present besides maybe it was like your birthday or something, but you didn't decide when your birthday was. You didn't decide what time you were born. You didn't decide, right, a lot of things about your birth. And so you didn't decide, well, this year I think I'm going to do my birthday on, uh, like what I, would, what I would actually prefer to do is celebrate my half birthday, which is in three days, which is, somebody says their birthday. It's very close to someone's birthday. It's coming up later this week. Could be. I don't remember. I just remember it was my half birthday. And so uh, I would rather celebrate my half birthday in the summer when I can go outside and do things actively instead of in the middle or end of February when it's cold and all you can do is sit at home and look outside. And, uh, but I don't get to choose my birthday. But if someone were to give me a present on February 25th, uh, I would be able to choose whether I get to open it or not or whether I get to utilize it. And so we often use that analogy about the grace of God. The grace of God is coming to you. Maturity is available to you. You have to utilize it. Paul says that I work or I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. So Paul is simultaneously working alongside the grace of God to bring people to maturity. And he doesn't say, um, I often like to think about, uh, especially in the epistles, what the author did not say. He, did, he does say that, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He doesn't say that we may present everyone mature in Christ, except for those people who had bad dads or continue to have bad attitudes, or we tried a couple times, but, you know, third strike and you're out. Get out of here. Right? He doesn't say that. He just says he's working with all the strength that Christ provides for him to bring everybody to maturity. So that's our goal. Everybody has the equal, same equal opportunity. Um, and so let's also look at Proverbs uh, 15, 14. And so when I think about the resources that we're going to use, especially today, the Foundational Articles Master List, this has a list of, oh, I didn't count them, oh, maybe like, 20 articles that we commonly use to help people get an, an idea of, hey, this topic, this biblical topic, might be bigger than you think. It might be like, you might think you know a little bit about the gospel, but we'll see, right? And so those help, help open your, your mind uh, to maybe a, a clearer picture of biblical topics. And so part of that is being a man of understanding, a man or woman of understanding. Proverbs 15, 14 says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. How do we get knowledge? 
This is an epistemological question. Studying, wow, how do we, what, what do we have to do when we study? Read, wow, we gotta read. Yes, we got this one. Um, you will probably, to be a man of understanding, to gain knowledge how we have it in this century, have to do a lot of reading. Anybody can read. Anybody can learn to read. Not everybody can read. Everybody can learn to read. Um, but the, the knowledge is accessible to you. To be a man of understanding, you're seeking knowledge, right? Um, does everybody know the difference between um, maybe when the Bible is describing like a man of someone who has understanding and someone who, who doesn't? And so a lot of times that has to do with moral issues in Proverbs, like um, uh, the next Bible verse I was going to read is Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his own opinion. And so um, uh, a fool is a, is a moral, uh, moral degenerate who isn't receiving other people's opinions and, consume, and is consumed with his own opinion and telling other people his opinion. He probably doesn't read much because you have to read other people's opinions when people write. They give their opinions or their analysis, and they have to examine them. And so a fool probably doesn't do that. A fool probably doesn't read a whole lot, uh, is my guess. And so a man of understanding is the difference between, if you guys remember how Nathan talked about the, the priest, king, uh, prophet progression. Does, does, do most people remember that? Okay, we got one, got John Luke on board. That's great. Uh, so it came, if you just look at the knowledge of the law that a priest has to have versus a king versus a prophet, it's that progression. We often say like prophet, priest, king, because uh, that sounds better on, in our syntax. And, but the progression biblically is a priest and then a king. A priest just has to read the law and do it. You just read it. Here's what we do. We've got to sacrifice this animal. This person has this lump on their skin, so we're going to quarantine them for so many days, and then we're going to do this. We're going to go over to their house, and if their, if their house has mold, we're going to cut it out, and we're going to come back in seven days. And that's all they have to do is follow the manual, right? It doesn't take a deep understanding of the law to be a priest in that context. A king is a judge who has to deal between the people and use wisdom. How does this apply, right? There was nothing in the law when King Solomon came, had two women before him, and uh, one's like, this is my kid, and one's like, this is my kid. And, uh, King Solomon's not like, doesn't say he was like leaping through the law and be like, uh, where's this ordinance? Um, there were things that applied, and he used wisdom, right? And then a prophet takes that law and applies it to new cultures in new ways, which takes a much greater level of understanding to deal with other cultures. And so we see that progression a lot like police officers. Police officers don't judge. They just say, can I arrest this person or can I not arrest this person? Can I detain them or what can I do? And they just follow the rules, right? A judge, you then get brought before a judge and they decipher and determine whether it was lawful or whether you broke the law or what the punishment is, right? And so we want to be people of understanding is what this is all about. Um, and so that's the difference between on our, when we start going through our, 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 our articles that we use, like the last one, let's just, um, I'll just cut to the last one because when we get to the nuts and bolts, I probably won't have time to go through all of them. 
So eschatology. If you just think about eschatology, you might think, what does that word mean? Then you might not be a man of understanding of that yet, right? You can get that knowledge about what eschatology is, figure out what that word means, and we can help you. But um, there's a difference between knowing, like let's just say in eschatology, what position you hold to, right? I could be an adamant uh, post-millennial or one of the other three or four options, right? But that doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. That doesn't mean I have a clear foundation of why I believe that biblically. Does that make sense? Sometimes we dogmatically believe things and we haven't yet found out why we believe it. We just believe it. Um, That's not to the level of being a man of understanding yet. And so I think that's a huge part of being, um, becoming mature, right? Uh, that means that your knowledge isn't superficial. It's not surface knowledge. You, you get the difference between um, uh, how to use a tool and what a tool is used for and how to apply it to various contexts. Right? That's why Joshua says that the person who meditates on it, the book of the law, night and day, they think about it. They're working through it. They're like, well, uh, these laws apply to Israel, so they don't apply to me, so we'll just throw those out. And let's go to the New Testament and try to reinterpret them in new ways, right? That's not quite the man of understanding we're going for, right? And so you have to really think through these things. We want everybody to be, uh, to at least present them to say, I had no excuse. They gave me the articles list. They gave me these things. They kept trying to get me to read. And uh, the only thing you can say is, I rejected it. Uh, That's where we're trying to get (laughs) because... If it's not on you, then it's on me. It's on the, your discipleship group leaders to give you these materials to help you grow. And um, I had this conversation with our, uh, our dear brothers and sisters in India. I love talking to them. They watch us on Sunday mornings faithfully, even though it would be 6, 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. At 9.30. Yeah, 7 p.m., um, oftentimes our Bible studies go to 1 or 2 p.m., which is midnight, 1 a.m., about India time, and they keep saying, we can keep going, we can, because they're just so hungry for knowledge. Um, but one of the things I was talking with the, in the group of Indians that we do a, a Bible study with weekly is just think about like what a, we took over, we looked at the word pastor in Ephesians 4.11 and how that was added in the King James Version of the Bible and the pastor, the word for pastor is actually shepherd. And what is a shepherd like? It's someone who cares and feeds for and knows them. And it's usually not some kind of, uh, you know, conveyor line or conveyor belt where it's just like, oh, I get as many through as possible and just pump them full of antibiotics and shave them and do whatever you need to do, whether they need it or not, right? A real shepherd is one who is caring for, who is tending to, who knows the well-being of their flock. And that takes interpersonal relationships, right? You can't do it from up here. It's, uh, you can't do it all from up here, is what I should say. And so um, we were talking about just the difference in what a shepherd is like and how to get into a simple Bible reading plan to help them grow. Because... What a father does, what a pastor does, what a shepherd does, is you can't coddle them all the time. If you had a baby and you fed them milk all the time, and then uh, they get to be about 
one, two, three years old, and you're still cradling them and feeding them, and they get used to it, and next thing you know, they're 16 years old, and you're trying to hold them and feed them a bottle, and the bottle's more like a half gallon of milk, and they just can't get enough, and because they're used to it. A better approach is to help them grow up and hold the bottle themselves. Hey, look, I could eat my dinner while my baby eats, and that's easier for me. I'm all about it, right? Every parent's all about it. Uh, that's why we want to help you guys grow is because we want to offer you the resources and the ability to, to essentially be able to do this yourself. And I think that's what a mature person is, is able to receive and start to receive biblical instruction from the scriptures and from the Holy Spirit themselves. It's, I think there's, this is my opinion. Um, I haven't quite drawn this out biblically, but uh, I think it's a more mature approach when someone can get, when they're reading the word regularly and they can get instruction to their character, to their lifestyle, and they change and they make real changes in their life and they get corrected by the word. They get rebuked by the word and they make the corrections, right? You didn't need anybody else's help, so to speak. Obviously, it's the Lord's word. Uh, it's by his grace that you would have a receiving heart. Um, and it's by the Holy Spirit that you receive conviction, right? Uh, I think it's a less mature approach, and we all face it, is when you need someone else who is full of the word and the Holy Spirit to correct you. Does everybody agree, disagree? Does it, do you guys get what I'm talking about? Is if I could read the scriptures in my house uh, alone and get rebuked by the Holy Spirit and get corrected by the word, that's a more mature approach in a sense. We all need community, but I don't know anybody that's been able to just read the word like a monk in their room alone and become a mature Christian because a mature Christian lives in community and that's really hard. And so oftentimes we need to be rebuked by one another. But that's part of one of the articles. You could read about that. You're like, oh wow, I can't wait for the people to start rebuking me and telling me how to help me grow. It's amazing. All right, so a man of understanding isn't dogmatic. He knows the, the depths of the instruction. He knows why. He knows the, uh, the heart behind it, right? Um, one of the last verses we'll read, um, Colossians 1, 3 through 7. And this is just to get us introduced to the articles list. You can go back. I can email it to you again. We have podcasts. We have paper Bible studies. We have these articles. We have a book list. Um, we have various things that will help you grow. And so just think about this in like a real sense. Like Paul was a real person. The people in Colossae were a real people and they were in time, right? Colossians uh, 1, 3 through 7. We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. So, what bears fruit in us? A little louder. I can't hear you. All the way up here. The word of God, the gospel, when you believe it in faith, the word of truth, right? That's what produces fruit, right? So this is just foundational. We're going to start there. Um, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. I should have read that part, right? We, we receive the word of truth, the gospel, the grace of God in truth, 
and we grow by grace. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so there was a man named Epaphras who taught the, um, the church in, in Colossae uh, about the gospel. I don't know if he had a list of articles he used. I don't know what he used. It doesn't say. But you have to think in real time that these are real people teaching. Epaphras was a real person. Paul was real, and they were teaching other people. It doesn't say exactly how they taught, but they took a great deal and a great length to teach um, churches, especially to the point of raising up elders. And one of the qualifications for an elder uh, in 1 Timothy 3, it says able to teach, but in, in Titus, I think it's a little bit clearer, he says that it's um, able to teach healthy doctrine, right? And there's a slight difference. Anybody can teach doctrine, right? The moon is made of cheese, <laughs> right? And I, could, I could teach you a hundred reasons why the moon is made of cheese. That might not be a healthy doctrine, um, right? And so to be able to discern and tell and look and bear fruit and be able to observe fruit of doctrinally of what is healthy and what is not healthy is a far deeper level of understanding than just being able to get up here and say, well, you guys should all, you guys should all believe that the moon is made of cheese and, and, and as long as you guys are from that, we're in good standing. Um, Right? When we teach dogmatically and we take the dogmatic approach, we're going to get dogmatic people. Right? The Bible doesn't say we need dogmatic people. There's some things we do believe dogmatically, but that's for another, another sermon. Um, but we want to present everybody mature, men and women of understanding, who know uh, the depths of the law of the word of God. Right? Um, and so great, you just have to remember that number one, grace is always, I'm sorry, growth is always by grace. It's always in relationship to the gospel. And so if you go back to your foundational articles uh, master list, the first point is the gospel. But these are all gospel issues. Everyone in every issue you have in life is a gospel issue. You're not going to grow in relation to anything else in Christ besides the gospel. And that's going to be in grace, right? And so Paul says in Galatians that the Galatians were turning to another gospel, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. So everybody should be aware that internally, just on a personal level, that we have sin in our hearts and we want to distort the gospel. That is our problem. The reason why we don't grow and we know that growth is in the gospel, the reason why we might seem stagnant or not be growing is because we distort the gospel. You distort the gospel. I distort the gospel. As I stand up here and talk about the gospel, uh, we have a tendency to distort the gospel in our hearts, right? And so we have to keep that in mind. And that's why we continue to study and read and learn and seek uh, the deeper things of, of the word, right? To go on to maturity, as the writer of Hebrews would say. And so first, all growth is by grace through the gospel. Secondly, just let's not get pietistic about it. Remember, Epaphras was a real person. He really taught people. He would have had to sit down. And when you go to a new culture, um, just like I find it very hard sometimes to do the India Bible studies because 
uh, our metaphors and what we use in English doesn't make sense to an Indian person sometimes, right? Um, and so that happens. You have to use many different examples. You, you have to belabor to help them. The point is to help them understand, right? Not just uh, say, well, we need you to read five chapters of the Bible a day and, and call me back when you've done that uh, for three weeks. And then, right, we're, we're doing that. We want them to read. We want everyone to read a lot of scripture and get deeper knowledge because we want you to have more understanding, right? That's a huge point that I think we miss uh, and that we gloss over all the time. And hopefully I can move faster to get to the nuts and bolts. Uh, last one, just on the same point, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 17. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent to you Timothy, my beloved faithful and child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. And so, um, I'll make this first point. Most of you guys are in discipleship groups, have uh, two couples, four people total, who are your discipleship group leaders. It's okay when your disciples say, this is what I do. It would actually be probably incoherent and not make a lot of sense if they were instructing you and they didn't give you an examples of like, this is what I do. Um, it's okay. Paul sent Timothy to the Corinthian church just so they, they could learn how Paul did stuff. And it doesn't say exactly what he did. Again, the parchment was not long enough to write out a checklist of, hey, make sure that you uh, get to church by 9.15 so that you can get coffee and get ready by 9.30. He didn't write out checklists. I don't know what he told them as far as when they started service. It was probably earlier than uh, 9.30. And so we don't have exact guides because the scriptures weren't written to make everybody fit an exact mold and pattern, right? The, uh, the Lord gave us apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, and evangelists to equip us as examples, as, as shepherds, as one of those as shepherds, as, as guides, as fathers, as mothers in Christ, and to, to teach children, right? That's what we're doing. And so that takes a lot of, well, this is how I do it. This is what you should do. Let me give you a little instruction. Oh, you did it this way? How'd that work out for you? Okay, it worked out pretty good. Well, keep going on this way, but maybe switch it up a little bit this way. We should be constantly, every one of us from the bottom up, top down, should be receiving some kind of instruction like that, right? That's just healthy. Uh, last one, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, right? There's an example, there's an imitation, there's, a, uh, there's not just a dogmatic approach. This is observe, get close to, watch, listen to, and see what the fruit is. And if that seems to be fruitful in the gospel, maybe you should do that. Um, and so with like the last 15 minutes, uh, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of actually how to use this list. Okay, it's just going to be very practical, and anybody can pop their hand up or, or shout or throw something at me. You can ask questions. It's an open format. Um, but I wanted to make sure that everybody gets it, is that you, we need to move forward. Everybody should have the desire to move forward to deeper understanding. 
And so uh, the first thing I actually just have to note is um, this is the master list. We don't actually have currently, we should, that's probably mostly my fault, uh, all of these printed out so that you can pick them up and take them with you. Uh, that would be the easiest for you. And we just don't currently have that, and I'm sorry. We had the, if you go down and volunteer in the kids ministry at the 930, the big room, there's this big magazine rack that we used at our old building, and I probably spent like six hours making cardboard construction, shoving it down in there so that every uh, rack slot can fit two folders uh, 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 evenly throughout. Spent a lot of time making cardboard <laughs> inserts uh, just so we can fit more articles and um, we just don't currently have these all printed out. So the first thing to note is that if you want any of these, you can call me, you can text me, you can email me, you can talk to me in person, you can send a carrier pigeon, you can, uh, you can do a smoke signal or something um, as long as I can understand it. And I will get these for you. There's, I've, every time I've gotten up here in the last couple months, I've offered it to you. You can invite yourself over to my house, have dinner, and I will print all these out for you ahead of time, and we can, and we can talk about them, and I can help you get started, or you can go to your discipleship group leaders. Uh, but everyone's taken me, not everyone, every time somebody has taken me up on the offer. And again, you want to invite yourself over to dinner? You can come over to my house. Everybody's welcome, not at the same time. Um, but you can do that. And so that's the first thing. It, to be able to get these currently, you'll just have to talk to me about it and I will print any of these out. I'll bring them to your house. Uh, it, it is 2021, I don't need to do that. You could just send me an email, but I will take them to your house. I will deliver them to you. Uh, I will print them, I'll do whatever you need to help you. And so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is actually use this list. You could actually, I think they were hole punched, Michael and Jesse hole punched them, right? Uh, and printed these out this morning so that you can utilize them, put them in a binder, uh, and then you can have it. You do have this printed out and you can check off like, oh, I've read that one. Uh, I should maybe read this one. Uh, you can circle those and, and you can take this to your discipleship group leader or whoever is your uh, personal pastor, shepherd, and you can ask them, hey, where do I start? How do I get started? What do you think I need to read? All right. And so that's just basic, simple organization, how we move forward. We are saying these are really important topics. And so um, I would think the next thing that you should do, and these, everything from here on is my opinion. There's no Bible verses or anything. It's just Stephen up here speaking about what he thinks is, is going to be a good way forward and healthy. And so what I think you should do is like go to the first topic, the gospel. And you should think to yourself, how much do I know about the gospel? And could I present a clear gospel presentation in as little as 15 minutes to as much as three hours to somebody who has never heard the gospel before or doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about, right? One thing, um, I'm excited to get back on Wright State to uh, have people in person because there's real people and I like real people. And uh, we can go table to table and share the gospel again because there's real people there. And um, we talked to uh, 
out of my experience, there's Muslims, Indians, there's a couple Sikhs, but mostly uh, atheists and then Christians. And um, the Muslims, I've never been turned down by a Muslim unless they're out of time. Uh, they've always invited me to sit down and talk to them every time. Very friendly. Uh, Hindus, uh, most of the time, I'd say, whether they're nominal or whether they're just Indian and I'm assuming they're Hindu or they have grew up in a Hindu culture, um, they might be nominal, but I would say like nine out of 10 times they're offering me to sit down and talk to them. Uh, atheists are about 50-50, um, you know, but usually they're like, you know, if they're really uh, dogmatic or whatever, then they'll sit down and argue or want to argue. But like about half the times they'll invite me to sit down and be friendly and, and we'll sit down and talk and we're just having a conversation. Uh, but I'd say about nine times out of 10, people who proclaim that they're Christian or say, oh no, I'm, right, I'm Christian, do not want me to sit down and talk to them. And I don't know if anybody else has experienced that in sharing the gospel. They say, oh, I'm already Christian. I say, oh, great. And I just sit down anyways, because uh, they're going to hear it. And I said, oh, great, let's talk about it. And uh, we usually get into a conversation, and uh, whether they, you know, there's like a thousand different streams of Christianity these days, and um, one of the reasons I think they don't want to talk about it is because there's just no, there's no knowledge, there's no depth out there. Uh, or at least the people I've talked to. And so what I usually confront them with, or, or at least ask them, you know, after like, maybe like, so what do you do to read the Bible and grow? What do you do? Like, tell me a little bit about your Christianity. Uh, I usually just bring up Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, uh, for it is the power of God to save all those who believe. And so if it's the power of the gospel, if you get saved by the power of the gospel when you believe, what do you believe the gospel is? Can you tell me what you believe? And... Some people can't tell me because they're uh, just socially awkward and uh, they don't like talking to people, and that's fine uh, to a certain degree. But if you can't, the reason I'm saying that is when, if you go and you just look at the first thing is the gospel and you can't think, can I make a clear presentation of the gospel? What am I preaching? Because you're not just not preaching anything to yourself constantly. You always are. So whatever you believe the gospel is in your heart, whether you can uh, quantify that in your words or not, you're already preaching that to yourself, and that's what you're believing. You already made a definite statement on what the gospel is. And so um, you should know that. If you don't, uh, don't be mad at me. Be mad at Paul and, and uh, the Holy Spirit. And so um, you should have and definitely know of saying, can I make it clear? And then if you say, yeah, then wait a minute. Okay, just take a step back. Bring yourself into reality. And write it down. Write it out. Just take 15 minutes to try to write it or type it out. Or um, I would do these weird things where I would, I would just like do it in the shower and like uh, like mem memorize Bible verses and stuff while you're in the shower because it's like wasted time and when you drive because that's downtime and all these things. Um, but just take like 15, 30 minutes to try to write out like clearly what you believe the gospel is. That's a challenge. Do it. And if you don't think you're making it as clear as you thought you did, these articles would be a good place to start. And so the first one we have on there is common concerns. That was part of the Alliance for Renewal Churches. And we took out pieces of that. The Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. Um, just on a pragmatic point, I quote the Nicene Creed in part all the time around my house because that's what we believe. We get up here on Sunday and say, we believe and then we talk for two minutes about what we believe. 
And then so when something comes up at my house, uh, especially with, with Lily, because she's smaller, um, it's so, well, you know, if it's a, let's just say a pessimistic view, uh, we're always dealing against pessimism in our culture, right? Things are, uh, and I say it, it's probably mostly, I'm, I'm the dad, I'm the head of the household, so it's my fault anyways. And so we always talk about, oh, things are just so bad, it's the worst, this is the worst. And uh, sometimes I say that jokingly and little kids pick up on that and they're serious. And so um, we believe that his kingdom is without end. It will never end, right? That's what we recite in the Nicene Creed. And so that has to give us an optimistic view because his kingdom, uh, Jesus proclaims the kingdom was there in his midst and in the disciples' midst, and so his kingdom is continuing to progress. And so I quote that all the time uh, at home because uh, pessimism like that isn't in the gospel. And so... uh, most like even and so this is just another oh man i got three minutes we almost got through one article uh we might do this again sometime um like so this i'm super proud i'm just going to do a dad brag and so lily now knows uh psalm 23 can recite the whole thing uh easily and uh she's downstairs you can go to clap for her later and she's not up here um but most kids can learn the nicene creed because they come here on sundays and recite it and uh, uh, Lily is only here every other week on Sundays and she can recite it and it doesn't matter how long it takes but she's seven and so you could know and have definite statements on the gospel when you memorize the Nicene Creed when you read through it um, you should read through the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed and just mark on like if you have it printed out just mark like oh I've got a question on that what does that mean and, and play it out right and so same thing with community. I'm just going to go over the topics real quick. <clears throat> if you think you have a biblical, uh, if you're living in the reality of biblical community to the biblical fullest sense, somebody raise your hand if you believe that. No, oh, I almost saw one. So nobody believes that, or no one's brave enough to say they believe that. And I don't think I, I live in the fullest of the biblical sense of biblical community of what God desires for his people. And so we have to continue to press that out. We have to look into the nooks and crannies of what are we missing? How do we get there, right? It's going to take a lot of knowledge and study and examination and say, hey, how do we get there? Um, Paul wrote to the Colossians, to the Ephesians, but uh, he wasn't writing directly in the sense to us. We have to take those uh, and equate them to us and say, how can we live in this in a biblical community? And so there's different aspects of community. And uh, one that I, I didn't put on here, this list was already made that we should have, had, we should have on here, and I'll, I'll correct that this week, is Sunday celebration of the Lord's Day. You can write that under community. We have another article that's uh, called Sunday celebration of the Lord's Day. And if you notice, there's, that one um, was written by one of our people. There's, if you include that one, there's only three articles on here that we wrote. Eventually we'll get to writing more articles, but these are various Christians from various centuries and various streams of thought. Just take that into consideration. Uh, We're not just going into the uh, Baptist Convention of 1690 or whatever it is. And 1680, ah, so close, thank you. Um, 
we're taking a lot of streams of thought throughout the centuries from the first century and, uh, and seeing what's biblical. And so there's different levels of community, there's different aspects of community that we should know about. That's an area to grow in. Uh, discipleship, you'll see that that has the most number of articles on there because that's part of community, um, that's part of a biblical community, and there's so many different aspects of it, it's hard to narrow it down to just a couple. And because discipleship in our modern era isn't done um, as biblically or isn't, hasn't been sought to be done as biblically as it has in past centuries, so that's something we're trying to rediscover and recapture in our community. And so you can read all about that um, and, and different aspects. And we have one on the Holy Spirit and deliverance and eschatology. And so... Um, we hope to have more articles in, in those categories. But so first thing is ask yourself, do I thoroughly understand these gospel issues? Mark off the ones you've read. Take them to whoever's overseeing you, who your discipleship group leader is, or if you don't have one, just ask me. I'll help you out. Uh, and say, hey, I, where do you think I need to grow? Like, I've read these. What should I read next? All these articles are like... Uh, two pages to six pages, maybe, maybe seven pages is the longest one. And so it only takes you 15 minutes to read, 15, 20 minutes. Um, ask yourself as you go through it, do I understand what they're talking about? Do I live that way, right? Um, as you read it, I don't like to read digitally anyway, so I always print stuff out. Write on it and say, hey, oh, this person said this. These are just introductions to larger gospel topics. And so it's not a book. They don't go into long explanations. And so just write on the paper or circle it or highlight it and say, I need to find out what he means by that. Um, it's one reason why you should always read the introduction to books is because they usually set the definitions and the terms and that follows through the whole book. But you can't get that in an article usually. And so uh, mark on it, ask yourself like, oh, and think about it and say, hey, is this, uh, uh, where else do I see this biblically? Is this an aspect of community or discipleship or something that I'm missing? Am I getting the fullness sense biblically? Circle it, highlight it, come back to it, do more research. Um, and then ask yourself, if this is biblical, how would I have to change my life? What do I have, what are the next steps, right? Um, usually when God is bringing about change in a community or an individual or a family, it usually starts with, an idea, right? It's not just you wake up and uh, you start doing things and then you think about, oh, wow, I just did that and I didn't even think about it, right? That's how the Lord made us. It starts with an idea, it's a seed, it's planted, it grows, right? Until it starts bearing fruit. That's what the gospel is. Um, it's bringing you into truth, it's bringing you into reality, right? So you have to ask yourself, oh, if this is... Um, uh, let's talk about, uh, although we might make some corrections to these, I'm just going to, uh, our 555 deal. If you don't know what the five steps to entering Christ's kingdom are and the five vital signs of life, and you've been here for two weeks or three weeks, uh, that's probably our fault as, as people who get up here and speak and leaders, and, but we want to overcome that. If you can't name those two sets of five automatically, then uh, we need to help. Um, we've done something wrong. 
And so if you look at the five vital signs of life, like a love for God's word is the first one. Do I have a biblical uh, love for God's word? Or do I have a more me-centered love for God's word? Is it around my time? Is it around what I want to read in scripture? Is it, you know, you can go through all these questions, um, but is it to the level biblically that you, you would need to um, ask yourself the question, what do I need to change in my life to intake more scripture and more understanding of God's word? He's trying to constantly reveal truth, reality, bring us into the fullness of his blessing, and he's going to do it by his word. And if we're not changing our lives to get that, then that's a problem. Then we don't really believe it's as important as God says it is. And so ask yourself, how would I have to change my life? And then lastly, as we'll just kind of close on this point, ask uh, other brothers and sisters in Christ, how would I have to change my life uh, to be more biblical? Don't just leave it at yourself. Ask other people, because we know a common problem with sin is it deceives, and we're all deceived, so we need other people to shine the light. And so this is, um, this, is, this is the grace of God. He comes to us in real means. We can grow. Everybody can grow to maturity. We have to apprehend it. This is how we think we can help everybody grow. We might have to go through a little bit more personally, but this will open you up to bigger, bigger issues, uh, bigger topics biblically. And so you have to apprehend it. You have to use it. You have to take this piece of paper home and email me or talk to me and mark them off and talk to your discipleship group leaders. That is grace streaming to you. And so we should take it. Uh, if you have any questions, we don't have time, ask me later. Uh, but please do. They're all open and welcome. And so let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, just help us grow, Lord. We pray that you would pour out your grace on us and that we would be able to apprehend it. Your word says and promises that everybody can reach maturity. Everybody can go from milk to meat. Lord, give us the grace, supply it with the daily grace to help us grow to, to adolescence and to maturity in this church, Lord, in this body of Christ. Through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.